Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. If you're going to build an online business these days, you must have access to clear and accurate data. You need to know what activities are producing a return on your investment. You need to know who's buying your products and where they're coming from. You need to know what your customers are worth over time. And most of all, all of this data needs to be accurate and you need to be able to trust it. Without that, you're flying blind. And as you're going to learn today, getting a solid data foundation in place for your business is easier said than done. Well, thankfully, we're joined by AJ Yeager and Megan Cannell, and they own one of the fastest growing data companies in the world for small to medium business owners called PraxisMetrics.com. So AJ and Megan and the rest of their team help create easy to understand and accurate data dashboards for companies of all sizes. And in fact, their current list of clients includes Organifi, Black Rifle Coffee, Digital Marketer, and yours truly here at Self Made Man. Now, as a business owner, I need to know what's going on in my business. I need to know that the data is accurate so that I can make the right decisions based on what I'm seeing. I need to be able to pull in and consolidate data from various sources into one single dashboard. And most of all, I need it to be really simple and easy to understand. A few years ago, these capabilities were only available to extremely large companies who could afford to hire a full-time data analyst. But today, Praxis is providing smaller six- and seven-figure businesses with these abilities for a fraction of the price. So if this is an area of your business that you know you need help with, you're absolutely in for an extremely valuable episode today. And with that being said, please welcome AJ Yeager and Megan Cannell. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are joined by two of my best friends and some very savvy entrepreneurs, Mr. AJ Yeager and Megan Cannell. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, we are glad to be here. Thanks for having us yeah, again. Yeah, absolutely. So. Today, we're going to be talking about what you guys do best, which is data. Y'all started Praxis Metrics a couple of years ago, and it's been growing leaps and bounds in the data world. And essentially, y'all help small to medium and now large businesses get a handle on their data. And that's, uh, it's just, it's required today in the world of internet marketing. It's more important than ever. So, can you give everybody a little bit of background on? how y'all got into this world and how you started Praxis? Yeah, great. Um, it actually started out of necessity. So before we had this company, we were a data-driven marketing agency. So we were building sales funnels, webinar funnels, you name it, for, uh, for high-end brands and thought leaders. And so one of the major bottlenecks that was happening is like our clients did not know their numbers. They did not know their analytics. They didn't know why there was a spike in sales or why there was like a negative spike in sales. They just figured if I looked at my bank account and the money coming through, that's all they needed to measure. And that, that just wasn't true. So every time that a company would come to say, hey, I've got this new product idea. Let's go build a new funnel. We said, hang on, let's take a step back and let's look at the data. Let's look at the funnels you already have, because if we could look at those numbers and look at improving those just by a little bit, that would become more profit, more revenue for you to, to then invest more time in this other project. So they liked that style. And as we continued practicing that, we were delivering stats and metrics to them on a uh, pretty much a weekly basis that were blowing their minds. They'd never seen this data in their business at all. Yeah. But the problem with that was one of our top marketers was being reduced down to report generation, right? 
So he was stuck logging into 20 different technologies for each client because, you know, some some clients have, you know, Infusionsoft for their email service provider. Then they've got a different CRM. Then they've got their Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, and then they've got all of their funnel analytics and Google analytics, right? And so we would have to go, or our, our team member would have to go in for each client and build out these massive Excel sheets showing historical trends, conversion rates, upsell takes, things like that. And it was extremely necessary because we needed to report those things to our clients, but it was also extremely time consuming and tedious. And when we had, you know, 27 concurrent clients, it's just not efficient and effective. And so out of necessity internally, we decided, you know, we we know we want to be data driven. It is the foundation of our beliefs when as marketers, but we need to find a better way, right? You know, and that's how every infomercial starts, but that's true. So so we started doing research into data and automation really was our first key component. And as we went down that rabbit hole of research, we realized that automation was just a step, right? And automation of pulling all of the data from the disparate technologies and joining it together in a effective and efficient data-driven way is very different than just doing a Zapier integration, right? <laughs> Zaps are the opposite of true data. <laughs> um, so like there's, there's a lot of opportunities within Zaps to break. There's a lot of things where it's not set up right, and there's a lot to manage there. And so we decided to look at true ETL, which is extracting, transforming, and loading data, which is a business intelligence or a, a data science yeah. route. And once we started researching that and looking at it as a solution for all of our clients, we realized if we were going to go to that much effort and work, we might as well also visualize the data, right? Because, you know, just staring at numbers all day is not what every CEO, CMO, and founder of a company wants to do. And so we said, well, why, how can we take this raw data and turn it into insights and visualizations that tell a story rather than just a series of numbers. And a return on investment. Yeah. Right. We had to make it simple. We had to make it turnkey. And we had to, like, there's a lot of numbers that you could look at, but it's what are those numbers that are going to move the needle for our clients? Mm -hmm. So that was our, that was our conundrum back then. And that inspired Megan and I to say, you know what? A lot of companies out there are doing marketing agency work. Let's focus on this and become world-class at, at data. And and helping deliver the results through dashboards and tracking and all this. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much our that's how it evolved and became this. And this is this is now four years ago. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, give us an idea of how you guys have grown and who some of your clients are these days. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, when we started doing the data agency, we actually kind of started with the biggest companies. So we started with huge retailers, like a company doing like forty five billion in annual revenue, you know, just some larger companies because especially at that time, big data has always kind of been reserved for the enterprise, right? So smaller companies don't go and search out big data initiatives. Right. They don't, they're not really motivated by it and they don't really understand it. And so they think they're not going to touch it with a 10 foot pole until they're making those hundreds of millions or hundreds of billions. So when we first started the data agency, we were, we were working with those enterprise clients and we realized very quickly that, you know, we, we were cogs in the machine. We're working alongside with other data agencies and other internal data teams just to fill those holes and help them, you know, really scale. But we're AJ and I are both both very purpose purpose driven. Yeah, and we're we to make an impact. And so making these bigger companies more money was great, and we gave got, gave them results. But it's like you know what, we want to have an impact. So 
how can we take what we're learning here in this big data and bring that to the small and medium-sized businesses to really help them scale and see that hockey stick growth happen faster? So then we started looking at, oh, those companies doing, you know, from two or three million to a hundred million. That's been our base. So we worked with Organifi and ClickBank. And Black Rifle Ket- Coffee Company. Kettle and Fire. Digitalmarketer.com, right? So we started, because we have the marketing background, we said, you know, let's let's solve the problems for the marketers out there right now and for the small business owners that are in this space. And so we started working with a lot of e-commerce and leaders in like thought industry, right? Um, people who were doing information digital products. And and we said, let's let's solve these problems because really... When we work with most clients, it's a land and expand model. Number one question and number one pain point is how can we either increase our traffic or our conversions, right? And that usually starts with sales and marketing. So with any implementations that we do, we always start there because it's the it's the place, like AJ said, that we can give the most ROI to our clients where the data initiative ends up netting out or yielding a positive um, ROI because we've now brought them more brought them more clients through their data. So we, we've we worked with a lot of big e-commerce and that's been our niche for the last four years is e-commerce and, and digital Infor- products. Yeah, information, digital products. Now, <laughs> randomly, we have like mega churches. Yeah. <laughs> we have manufacturing. We have some really- Elec- Electrical companies. Yeah. We've got really a, a diverse group of uh, companies. We've got fast food chains. We've got restaurants, right? Um, but what we found is it doesn't matter the industry. It doesn't matter the scale. What's even more fascinating is that the questions that companies are asking when they're making $100 million in annual revenue are the exact same questions that small companies are asking yeah, at $2 million in revenue. I think there, there's a lot of them that, that carry over. Obviously, there are different levels of questions. I'd say different depth, different but it's the depth, same exactly. question. Same so questions. number one question that we always get asked is, how much can I spend to acquire my customers? How much are my customers worth to me over time? And when are they purchasing? And what are they purchasing from me? It's really just an understanding of their core demographic and of their top customers. It's what is working and what isn't working. That's the question that everybody starts with. And it doesn't matter the size. The great thing is small companies have big data right now. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've learned is that most small companies are uneducated and don't understand that even your cell phone contains big data. We, we've worked with small companies that say, you know, oh, I refuse to believe I have that much data. And then we hook into their you know, Google Analytics and just for six months of data, they've got 4 million rows, right? People don't understand that on the back end of every technology that you are using, you are collecting valuable data timestamps of when people are purchasing, you know, upsell sequences, learning, you know, you've got a whole history of each client and what they've purchased in what order and at what time. And yet smaller companies don't realize that those timestamps alone are super incredible, valuable insights that can be used to answer these questions on what's working and what's not working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys came in and and did all the data for self-made man, right? Mm -hmm. So when we launched the platform, we needed to know just our basic data, who's on the site, how are they using it, what are they watching, what level of membership are they on, what's our conversion rate, what's that worth, and all of that. And you know, we'd have to go out, like you said in the beginning, and calculate and gather all of that from various sources 
and put it together manually where you guys can just come in and put it in a nice, pretty custom dashboard that allows me to log in. And within 30 seconds, I can see everything that's going on in the business. Yeah. And one of the big things, Mike, that you had said was, you know, it's been hard to trust your data, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a transparent discussion about, you know, it doesn't matter how pretty the graphs are. If you don't trust the accuracy of that data, then it doesn't matter how pretty those graphs are. So there's a lot of companies, dashboard companies out there that are selling the sexy sizzle, like, look how great this looks. But we, we want to take a few steps back and say, let's make sure that this data is accurate. There's so many validation steps and so many pieces of what we do to find what we call the source of truth for each metric that is necessary. And you don't have to be a data scientist to figure it out. But when you're an entrepreneur or a small business, you don't have the time to do this stuff. It's mm-hmm. just there's so much that, that goes into it. But the problem is most most clients do think that way. So small businesses think that, oh, it's just it's, it's too kind of time consuming. So it's not worth it. And, and we would we would preach the opposite. And, and the fact of the matter is each small business has the opportunity, even if you don't have the time or the budget right now to hire a data scientist or to build dashboards. There, there's a very clear roadmap to data maturity. And even as a small business, you can be doing things right now that will give you those insights later on. Even if you don't have the budget to do it now, you can be laying the foundation for data success. And some of those things are, number one, just creating standard operating procedures, right? Most of the clients that we work with, even if they're only doing a million or two in annual revenue, they don't have a system of clear and organized UTM codes, right? And UTMs are- What is that? Yeah, UTMs is simply a tool that you can use in order to trace back an origin of somebody's purchase history or of their visit to your site, right? So let's say that you are on a podcast, which is very difficult to track listeners, right? It's very difficult to say if somebody came from a podcast. So let's say that you're on a podcast, you give that podcaster your URL, and you say, anybody on this site, you know, in the show notes, you can go to this URL. That URL, can include a UTM code and a tracking mechanism in order to track that person and to say what where their origin was. So now that person's going to your site, but you can see that they came from this podcast, or you could see that they came from this uh, Instagram affiliate, right? You know, we've got all of these different ways of bringing traffic in to purchase, but then we're not tracking where they're coming from, or we are, but it's not organized. So UTMs and the implementation of UTMs are an extremely important part of small businesses tracking. And that's the first step is implementing some sort of tracking or standard operating procedure in your business right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's the foundation. You know, even, gosh, I would say 70 to 80% of small businesses out there that have a website and that are doing business online don't even have uh tracking pixels from Facebook or Google yeah on their websites and that's just you're missing the whole foundation <laughs> right yeah. so even if you're not necessarily using retargeting campaigns or advertising campaigns or anything like that just simply copying and pasting those pixels onto your web pages allows you to start building up uh an audience and user data demographic data so that you're at least learning about the people who are coming into your business. Um, you know, even if you're not taking advantage of it directly through an ad campaign at that point, you're going to be ready to, and you're going to have all of that data and history built up, you know, once you are. Yes. 
So, and, you know. and that's, that's, you hit the nail on the head. It's that, you, you know, a lot of clients, they think that that's so far in the future. And so they don't need to do any of this stuff now. But then what happens is when they are ready, they, there's no data. <laughs> there's no data. And yeah. so they have zero foundation. And so they don't know what does work or doesn't work. And now here's, here's what happens. They now say, all right, I'm going to go spend, let's just say 1500 a month on ads. And so they have zero historical data as to what works and doesn't work. So they just say, I'm going to split it equally amongst Google, Facebook, and Instagram ads, right? And this is what we see happen all the time. And because they don't, didn't have the tr their tracking, they didn't know who was quality traffic and who wasn't, they're now splitting their ads equally. And the conversions, let's say that people who came through your Facebook, they've been following for you for a long time. They know who you are. They're indoctrinated, but they just haven't quite purchased yet. And then they end up purchasing. And let's say that they're that on average, they convert at a 5% conversion rate, which is great. And let's say that the Instagram traffic, you're not as good posting on Instagram and they're not as indoctrinated. So they're only at 1% conversion rate. And then Google is at 0.05% conversion, right? So now imagine that you're spending $1,500 a month and you're equally distributing that ad spend to each of those. You are now grossly costing yourself opportunities for scale. Because if you would have just taken all of that 1500 and put it into Facebook, you would have 10 times the revenue, 10 times the out or the income, 10 times the ROI. But you don't and you can't because you didn't know what was working and what wasn't working. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it's terrible. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it, it breaks our heart to see this. You know, well, I wanted to ask you if y'all could share some, you know, quote unquote, before and after stories of some of your clients who've really come to realize the power that data brings to their business. Yeah, we've got we've got one specifically that comes to the top of mind. Yeah. So one of our clients, um, DanetteMay.com, they are really good friends of ours, amazing people and great amazing marketers, products, brilliant marketers, right? Like they've been around for a while. They've been doing this. And uh, their their uh, CMO uh, was wanting to get a true view of their LTV, their lifetime customer value. And so they had an idea of what they thought it was their their LTV. And they had a, they had one specific funnel. Now they have many, many funnels, but this one specific funnel just wasn't converting on Facebook ads. Right. They, they, their CPA was too high. They just they couldn't they were almost ready to shut it down. Mm -hmm. So they, they started working with us and we actually identified their true LTV. Now, before we dive into that, you know, the pain point here was that they, they'd spent all of this money on ads. They'd spent all this money on, you know, product creation. And then they, they go and launch and it's not, not doing well as well as they thought it would. And they're paying $15. Their allowable cost per acquisition was $15 at the time, $15 per customer. Right. So let's simplify the numbers here and say... They're spending 15 on marketing. Let's say it cost $5 in, you know, COGS or, you know, the cost mm -hmm. of goods sold. So that means they're $20 in per client that they're spending just to get these clients in. And then let's say that the profitability is just $1. So they're selling it for $21. 20 of it is instantly eaten up. The problem was that when they're asking for a lifetime value of customers, it, it's looking at the bigger picture. So some marketers are willing to take a loss on that first product in order to acquire new customers. Now, why would they do that? It's because they know that later on that customer will come back 
and purchase something else. And that will yield a higher profitability per client client because you now don't have to pay to acquire them again, right? So let's say it's a $21 product. They're willing to say, fine, we won't make any profit on this because we've got a product that's $1,000 and it's 90% profit. And now this client is in my autoresponder series and we know they're going to buy that later on, right? So this is the big picture that they're looking at is, yeah, we're willing to lose some money on the front end, but only if those customers are coming back to buy that $1,000 product. If they're not, then we're losing money every day. And that's how businesses go out of business, right? Is just not knowing if those customers are coming back. So going back to what AJ was saying. So once we found out what their true lifetime value was, they realized, oh my gosh, we can actually afford to spend five more dollars to acquire per, each one. So they went from $15 to $20. In allowable cost per acquisition. Exactly. They thought before that if they did that, it would put them over that edge of profitability. And it does on that first product. But they thought that these people were not coming back to purchase and they had a much higher conversion. And so they had customers that were coming back over and over and over and over again, purchasing. And they said, wow, okay, great. We can actually eat a little bit on this front end. And now we know not only that we will make profit on these customers, but in addition, they were able to find out when that profit would come. So imagine knowing the difference between that customer coming back and spending $1,000, if that's going to come in a year or if that's going to come in 30 days, Big right? Difference. <laughs> Huge difference. If I'm going to have to float that, uh, you know, that loss for a year, that, that could really change everything. But if it's only 30 days, that's worth it. So by understanding and, and getting an accurate and true LTV, but not just a number of LTV, but an actual time frame in LTV. What is my one-day LTV? What is my 30-day LTV? What is my 60, 90, and six-month LTV, right? Six, yeah, 30-day, yeah. 60-day, 90-day, and then six-month, and then one-year LTV. Looking at the, the trend over time allows them to see then, when do I expect that cash flow and profitability to come back? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it helps you cut off potential losses or to losses. identify something that's broken. You know, earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, it's all about eliminating the waste. Yeah. And, so and lo, that, lo and behold, like what happened was once they did that extra $5, within two weeks, they went from 12 to 15 sales a day trickling in to over 350 sales a day. Within two weeks. And then within a month, they were at 615 they had in one day. <laughs> wow. Amazing. So, so, but so it that's was almost going to get shut down, right? It was almost something that they were going to cut out, but the, there was dirty data there. Yeah. And on the opposite end, we've seen the opposite happen too. So that's a good use case. But like you said, Mike, the opposite is also true. We've had clients that were throwing out these coupons for free shipping, right? And the problem is with Amazon, we're, we're in a totally different market nowadays. And we now have to compete with two-day free shipping on physical products, right? And so a lot of our e-com physical product distributors or, or companies were, are now for, they feel like they're forced to offer free shipping, right? Mm. So they're offering these coupon codes on their website, in their marketing, just on, just as part of their thing. And what we started doing is tracking that for them. And we've seen the opposite. We've seen a lot of customers that they, they're thinking that, or these businesses think that, oh, I'll offer this free shipping up front. And I'll take a loss on this first product and then people will come back later and I'll, I'll make that money back. And then what we saw was that wasn't happening. 
these co- these people are are or these companies are selling products, offering free shipping, taking on the cost, not including it as part of the cost of the product, and now these customers do not come back and purchase enough to make up that loss of the shipping. Mm. And we saw that in black and white for like three separate companies that had been doing this for a while and were wondering why they weren't scaling drastically, whereas other coupon codes were helping them scale or they just weren't charging enough for the base of their product, right? And so those are reasons that they could they could have easily gone out of business because of a simple miscalculation or a simple assumption that wasn't true. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm trying to think. There's two ways I want to go here. Do you guys, if you have another story like that, that would be great to share. And then after that, I want to ask you what the process looks like to become a client of y'all's and how expenses, expensive is it? How much time does it take? Do I, ha- I need to have an IT department? Like, What does it look like? But if you've got another story, I love stories because I, I think there's always valuable <laughs> yeah. lessons in them. There, uh, they that are. would be awesome too. There's some really cool social media ones too. Like what about when... Oh my gosh, this, yeah. This so- one's really cool. So what's really interesting is, you know, data comes in a lot of forms. And, 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 and I want people to understand that data is a synonym for information. That's all it is. When we're talking about data, we're just talking about getting more information to you so that you can make better informed decisions, right? Data doesn't have to be scary. It's simply information. So that can come in the form of surveys to your client list. It can come in the form of you guys just going and looking up stuff um, about your market. It could be about going into your own social media. And this is one that we've started doing with a lot of our clients, which is super fun. So we've got some, you know, there's a big, there's a big market change right now that's happening. And people are expecting content. Content is king right now. And there are a lot of content agencies out there now and a lot of pushes in content, both in social media content, in long form uh, copy on your website, in videos, in entertainment, in right there's, and so people now have to put out all this content. But then again, it's throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. They don't know what's working and not working, and what people like and what people don't like. And in order for them to find that out, they're having to scroll through three years of history and go look at their Facebook posts and see which ones have the highest likes or the highest comments or the highest shares over time, right? And and then the question is, well, what are the correlating factors on those posts, mm-hmm. right? So I've got, I'm one of, you know, seven kids and I've got three younger sisters who are in college who are just like, I need money. So we've started hiring just, you know, a a small army of people to go back through our clients' um, social medias and to look at, now we're able to tie into the API and easily rank all of these different posts based on their engagement rates, you know, a combination of the shares, likes, and comments. So we can see in all historical trends, which posts had the highest engagement. But the question then still lies, what were those variables or correlations that tied those together that people like? So what my sisters or what, you know, our little army of, you know, kind of peons will do is go through and do a, just a simple Excel spreadsheet, look at the post and describe it, right? So in separate columns, what is the overall content? What is the overall theme? What is the overall color scheme? What is the overall pr- or what product are you promoting? What or is the satire? Is it entertainment? Is it a push to my email list? Right. And categorizing it. And it's been so fun. So, for example, we've got a client um, who sells fancy sprinkles and fancy sprinkles are simply what they sound like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cake decorations that look awesome. So, you know, it's it's stars and reflective and metallic things that 
that are just looking cool on these on these uh, professional bakers sites, right? So we went through all of their historical posts and started tagging it on color schemes and products and things like that to see what people liked. And let's talk about Halloween, right? So they're going and they're getting ready to go shoot some product stuff for Halloween to post to their Instagram and their Instagram is freaking awesome. Go look it up. And they're like, all right, so naturally, what what are the top two colors that you would use for Halloween? Orange and black. There you go. Correct, right? <laughs> so we went back to the data after we tagged, you know, three years of historical data. And we sh- it was black. It was so funny. It was black and white that orange and black were not the most engaging posts during Halloween. Mm. People did not like it. People did not comment on it. And people did not share it when the content of these posts was black and orange. And what was unanimous, and it was crazy, like the data spoke for itself. The top two colors were purple and green. Mm. We're like, that is so bizarre. And so this client has this whole dashboard that tells them, hey, when it's this holiday, whether it's Christmas or Halloween or 4th of July, here here is what has gotten you the most engagement in the past. We want it to be a close-up shot, not a distance shot. We want it to be shot in studio, not outdoors. And actually for Halloween, it was unanimous. We want they wanted it outdoors. The 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 you know the customers that were on Instagram wanted to see this stuff outdoors and in black or in purple and green. And the reason is we didn't think about this ahead of time, but once we saw the data, we're like, I guess that does make sense because you think about scrolling through your Instagram feed at Halloween, and it's all orange and black. So what's the stuff that sticks out? It's the green. It's the purple. It's the something that's different. You know. And so sure enough, this year they went and they they changed it. They started shooting purple and green, frosting and this and this outdoors in a pumpkin patch, you know, and that's what got more engagement. And Instagram likes more engagement. They like the uniqueness. They like that. And so does the audience. And so simple things like that, people people think that data is this big, scary thing and that you can't do it unless you're sp- spending thousands of dollars on an entire data division of scientists. Not true. Yeah. It you know, an Excel sheet. What's interesting is uh, is that Rick Lax was on the podcast uh, last year, and Rick is the most viewed human being in the world on Facebook, mm-hmm. right? So he's that viral magician that would sit in a coffee shop and do magic tricks in front of his laptop camera right. Right. and has hundreds of billions of views. So what he said on that interview is the the key to his success is that he would he did this manually, but he would go back and look at the Facebook videos that he released and start to note which ones were getting obviously the most engagement and shares and views and what types of tricks he was doing. And he saw a pattern and he mm-hmm. start, started to do more videos along those lines of, of magic tricks uh, that were obviously the most effective and most viral. And he went about it in a very strategic manner. And that's how he blew up into the most viewed person in history. So same type of thing, but this was, you know, for Rick five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. But that's how he did it was going back, looking at the engagement levels for every single one of his hundreds of videos, figuring out which were the ones that were working and making more of those. Yes. And that's the problem that we see is that, you know, too many people aren't doing this and they think that it's so far in the future that they don't have to do this. But the problem is, if you're not doing it, your competitor is, right? There's a ton of other magicians out there. And they didn't take that step. They didn't place it as a priority. And he did. And that's the difference. And it's happening right now in e-commerce. 
It's happening right now in any industry. It's like in the early 90s when the internet craze happened and everybody started getting online and getting their own websites for their businesses. If a mom and pop shop did not create a website, they were instantly at a disadvantage to the ones that got online. Barnes and Noble, right? Netflix, like there's all of these examples throughout history. And yet we're in the exact same situation right now with data. If you aren't doing this in your business, if you're not looking and seeing what is working and what isn't working and looking for those hidden patterns and those anomalies of spikes of growth or reactions or engagement, you can guarantee your competitor is, and that's what's going to make them succeed and you not. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Take us through your onboarding process. Who are your services for? How much revenue should I be making before I give you a call? And how extensive is the process? Do I need to have a full-time tech team to work with you guys? What does that look like? Great question. Yeah, yeah, up to this point, we've worked with a lot of large companies. So these are big custom implementations. The, The clients are more on that scale of data maturity towards the top, right? They know what they want. They know how they need it. They know where it lives. They know all of these things. And they just want us to go and automate it and to visualize it and to give them that consulting and the, and the actual work. So we can work with the large companies that are doing multi-millions or billions in revenue. Um, but like we said, we're purpose-driven. So we really want to help a lot of these smaller and mid-sized companies to give them the information they need in order to scale to be a larger company. Right. So the way that we've done that is with each custom implementation that we've done for these large businesses, we've basically looked for those patterns and anomalies and those questions that they're asking over and over again. And we've turned them into pre-packaged, pre-built dashboards. Now, we, so we've got ones for LTV. We've got ones for CAC, you know, customer acquisition costs. We've got ones for finance, for emails, for marketing, for Google Analytics, Inventory. right? Inventory. Inventory, shipping. Operations. So we have some pre-built dashboards so that we can help the small, mid-sized companies um, before they have the budget to hire us for custom work. So those pre-built dashboards are are not just vanity metrics. These are not ones that are just single source showing you your Facebook trend over time, right? These are very valuable metrics that we've built for large companies and translated for the smaller. Yeah. So we can work with clients starting at you know 500, 500 a month for platform costs. All the way up to a thousand to fifteen hundred a month for platform costs, right? And then we just work hourly on top of that based on what they need. So smaller companies, we can work with them, you know, as long as they have a proven model and they have some revenue set aside to invest in their in this information, we can work with clients that are doing, you know, a million in annual revenue. Yeah. And I, I wanna add in there that there's there's a huge gap in the market at this time. There's there's a lot of dashboards out there that you can see like $19 a month. Like there's a lot of things that are just what we call vanity metrics. They solve one problem. That one problem is that they will allow you to connect your Facebook and all your different disparate technologies and put it into a one dashboard. That solves one problem, which is you don't have to go export everything and have somebody manually doing that. And that's fine. That's a great place to start. But it's single source visualizations, which means it's only showing you the exact same stuff that you could see by logging into Facebook or into Instagram, right? The difference in value is when we actually build that ETL pipeline, which is extracting, transforming, and loading the data into one data set, that's when you can start to see these these really great lifetime value metrics, 
the, you know, the upsell sequences, when you start combining the data together, and then you have one visualization, like one metric that's built off of 20 separate technologies, and it's piecing it together. That's the difference between vanity, single source metrics, and multi-source valuable metrics. Hopefully that clarifies what it's hard. It's hard to describe auditorily. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, it's bringing all of the potential data that you could ever want and putting it in one single place where you guys have verified that it's accurate and it just makes it easy. Because if you're the entrepreneur, if you're the visionary, you want to see the 50,000 foot view and you don't want to be stuck in spreadsheets and any of the stuff that frankly is demoralizing for (laughs) you know a visionary entrepreneur who's excited about what they're building. And you know, I want to see the cake at the end. I don't necessarily want to be stuck in, you know, where does the flour come from and how is the icing made? But I need to know that information on a high level in a really easy to find way to make sure that my cake is going to end up the way that I'm wanting to make it, right? So that's the way I kind of think about it. There's one more thing I wanted to add, Mike. Yeah, please. Before getting into dashboards, even there is, we mentioned tracking earlier. So one, another way that we work with companies is that they don't know what they don't know. They're like, help me. I'm literally don't even know what to do. Yeah. And that's, that's where we come in and, and we help consult with them and say, hey, here are the questions you need to be asking yourself. And so there's a consulting piece to it. But it always, come, always comes down to tracking. Like you said earlier, we've got to get your either Google Analytics set up right and make sure that each of the technology stacks you are using, they are set up to, to gather the right data. Mm-hmm. And so we do what's an, an analytics audit, which is like, okay, let's do a snapshot in time of what is tracking and what isn't so that we can see where the holes are because mm-hmm. we can pour as much water into the bucket if you want to. But if those there's too many holes, it's just not going to work out mm-hmm. until you plug those holes. So the audits happen for uh, can happen first. And then we go fix and we have a team that's dedicated to analytics and say, all right, hey, you've now been professionally set up. All things, all customer journeys are tracking. You're good to go. Now we know the holes are plugged. Now we can start visualizing that for you so that you're not logging into Google Analytics, which is not a place for any entrepreneur to be looking at data. No. So dashboards don't have to be the first thing. It's usually the tracking and helping people get the mindset of being data driven and what questions to ask. Then we take them on up the data, what we call data maturity. Yeah. And that's on, on that note, that's extremely important is most people say, oh, yeah, I've got Google Analytics on my site. And yet they've never set up custom goals. They've never set, set up event tracking. They don't know what UTMs are, right? And so they're only scratching the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the amount of data they could be collecting. And like we said, if you are just collecting the data and you don't have time to analyze the data for three years, that's okay. Because when you go to analyze that data three years from now, you have historical insights for three years, but you can never go back and get insights if it wasn't tracked. I can't create millions of rows of data out of thin air, right? And every industry, I mean, the problem is with, especially with digital marketing is everybody suffers from terminal uniqueness. You like, you know, there's 300 coffee companies out there, but they're not the same, right? They are all targeting different audiences at different stages in life with different price points, right? So you need to know your audience and have insights into your clients' behaviors and in, and insights into what works and doesn't work with your demographic. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is if you're tracking. So tracking is number one. And then number two is before you go and automate all of this stuff, right, back to where we started, it was manual, right? And 
manual is still valuable because what it does is it shows you where those holes are. It's very easy. You know, when clients come to us and say, oh, I want to track my cost of goods sold. It's like, great. So what's your formula for cost of goods sold? Like, well, I've never thought about it. Even just doing manual spreadsheets for now is a great place to start because it helps you define what these things mean to your business and how how it should be interpreted, right? And so we walk through a process called metrics mapping where we say just in an Excel spreadsheet, let's brain dump. Number one, what are the business questions that you're asking that you don't know answers to right now? Number two, if you were to get those answers, what technology would it be tracking in, right? And number three, is that tracking or is it not tracking? And then it gives you a roadmap for the next year of what you need to go and do. And it might not all be the same priority level, right? There are some metrics that are way more valuable to your business right now than they are if you waited, right? And there's some that are just not valuable right now, but they could be in the future. So mapping that out and saying, what is my priority to get things tracking? Or what is my priority to manually report on these metrics because it will help me grow now rather than, oh, let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater and Mm -hmm. not do anything. Yep. And lastly, we've we've made it easy so the companies do not need an IT team. Like IT teams are going away or not even existent mm-hmm. in this market. You, if you're not somebody that's that's IT based or tech, technical, then that's okay. We have an outsourced data team that can help with that. But it's usually nice to work with either the entrepreneur CEO or someone on the team that has ha, is the marketer or works in these technologies often. Mm-hmm. And so we just work with them on this metrics mapping. Just get everybody really clear and make sure we're speaking the same language. Yeah. And then once it's clear, it's a it's the Pareto's so, principle. It's not it's not do all the things. It's what are the 20 percent of the things we can do that will bring us 80 percent of the results right now. Let's focus on that for now. Once yeah. you're using it and you're seeing that data work. Now let's go to the next phase. So we break it down. So it's way, way easier for the small, medium sized businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really easy working with you guys on, on self-made. I mean, we just had a couple of phone calls and I said, here's what I would love to see and love to know. And then, you know, poof, a couple of weeks later, there it was. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's our new tagline. Need data? Yeah. Poof. <laughs> 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 by the way, uh, by the way, I want to acknowledge you guys for the job that you've done on your website. So that's over at praxismetrics.com because I've been sitting here just looking at it while we've been talking. And y'all have done a really good job from a copy perspective. And this is a topic that I, I talk about quite a bit, but from a website design, making it really simple and easy to understand what you guys do within the first five seconds. Y'all have done a really good job here. So even um, if you've got your data needs handled at the moment and you want to go see an example of a great website layout, I think y'all, uh, y'all have done a, an excellent job on that. So, Well, thank yeah. you. We appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Megan, Megan's, a got a, Megan's got a great little video up there and some more that <laughs> we're, we want to bring... We want to bring uh, sexy to data and we want to bring like a people-based approach to data. So we really appreciate that. And just knowing that you, you see that we really care. Yeah. <laughs> We're not just analysts and nerds speaking anal- analyst talk. We just really want to help companies grow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, clarifying your message and making it really simple for people to understand is, is the key because if you start to talk in your lingo, I, as a business owner, am not going to get it. Yeah. I'm just going to go over my head. <laughs> <Blaze and> over. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, your headline is we turn your data into growth. Awesome. Yep. Like, perfect. <laughs> Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Coming from you, Mike, that's, we appreciate that. Yeah, Thank that means so a lot. Much. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so guys, where can folks reach out 
and get in touch with y'all? Yeah, the first place is uh, the website, um, praxismetrics.com. But the main thing is like for those pre-built dashboards, it's praxismetrics.com slash dashboard. And we can probably put that that link on the uh, the show notes. Yep. But you can also follow us at facebook.com slash praxismetrics and LinkedIn. We put up a lot of content. There's some really cool stuff to watch on there. Yeah. And then if anybody has specific questions, they can always reach out to me um, on the contact page of our of our site. It goes directly to me. And I usually handle all of the first calls just because, you know, I really want to make sure that we're working with people that are aligned and that we can help them in the stage that they are in right now. And sometimes that means, hey, let's hold off on dashboards for now until you go and do these three things. Um, and so we really want to kind of hold hands a little bit. So they can always reach me at Megan, M-E-A-G-H-A-N at praxismetrics.com as well. Awesome. 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 Well, guys, thanks so much. And it's been exciting to watch you guys grow and the, the clientele that you have and what you're doing. And it's, uh, it's going to be a really cool future for y'all in the coming years and, and the capabilities that you're bringing to other entrepreneurs like myself. So thank you so much. Of course. Thanks thank for you, having Mike. us on. Thanks thank you so bet. much. Absolutely, guys. Well, go to praxismetrics.com if you want to learn more about what AJ and Megan are up to and how they can help your business, guys. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.